another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 32. The episode that shares its greatness with 32 Footsteps by They Might Be Giants. Chamber of 32 Doors by Genesis. 32 by Mr. Mister. 32 by Van Morrison. 32 Pennies by Warrant. And 32 Ways to Die by Some 41. I guess you could say we're keeping pretty good company tonight, pun intended, because we are welcoming our first guest to Wanderings and Wool Gathering tonight. With me, as always, are JPP. Hello, hello. Teabags. Teabags. Too hot for TV. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and Metalhead Money, back from assignment. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Mundy. How's it going, everybody? Howdy, howdy. <laughs> Actually, you're back from two assignments, one in Michigan and uh, the concert the previous week. You want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I went and saw Stabbing Westward. It's one of my favorite bands from the 90s, and they kind of disappeared for a while, and they're doing a 25th anniversary of their album, Darkest Days, and this is a great show. It was a small crowd. I felt kind of bad for them attendance-wise, but... We were we were rocking out and we were they were loving the energy. Just could have had a few more people there. Very cool. How how was vocals and everything? Still got the range and all that good stuff. Oh, they sounded wonderful. Good, wonderful, good. That's great. Speaking of sounding wonderful, we do have uh, some exciting news tonight with our first guest ever, Michael and Tish Cerevolo. Welcome, Michael and Tish. How are you guys? Very good. Very good. Thank you for having us on. Yes. And we're the first. Now I just found out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. We save the best for first. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) We're going to raise the bar. (laughs) Um, Well, I was going to do a little intro on your backgrounds, but... um, it might be better if you did it yourself because you know you a little better than I do. Um, just for the listeners, you want to give us a little brief background who, uh, for people who may not know who you are. Um, okay, I'll go first. <laughs> Women first. Um, right. My name is Tish Cervolo, and I'm president and founder of Daisy Rock Girl Guitars. But more importantly, I'm the bass player and one of the vocalists featured on the new Beauty and Chaos CD and Beauty and Chaos Re- Revisited, which is some remixes for Beauty and Chaos. And a mother of two beautiful daughters. And now my husband's turn. I guess after all that, I'm just her husband. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm Michael Cervolo. Uh, I, I dubbed myself curator of beauty and chaos because it's, you know, it, something that for about a second was going to be a solo record turned into something uh, way more and uh, well beyond uh, th- that scope. And uh, also president of Schechter Guitar, which is the, uh, the day job. An interesting one, a challenging one, but a, a day job. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, we're super excited to have you guys on. I just wanted to work backwards and come forward a little bit. Um, you know, on your documentary, we gave a little background uh, to how you started uh, Beauty and Chaos. But what were your influences when you guys were starting out in music? I mean, I, 
as a kid, I, you know, my first uh, experience with it was my, my sister was, you know, who was older than me was a, a Beatles fan. Uh, you know, I actually didn't appreciate the Beatles till a bit later in life. I kind of didn't really hit music on, until watching like some late night uh, Don Kirsten's rock concert and those type of shows that would come on like midnight and watching a little TV in my parents' uh, kitchen and got exposed to T-Rex, David Bowie, Slade, Alice Cooper, and uh, kind of just watching watching that and seeing the girls kind of scream for that went, I don't think I should play football anymore. I think I want to pick up a guitar. <laughs> and I'm not running a 4-3-40, so uh, I'm going to go ahead. And I, I cut a bunch of lawns that summer and bought my first crappy little electric guitar, and, uh, you know, it, it went from there. Nice. I can relate. I detasseled corn for my first guitar. So um, actually, Monday was in the same bin with me pulling the tassels out of the corn. So uh, yeah, that of... was a blast. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So <laughs> my little warlock knockoff, here I come and learning my thrash metal. So, you know, but th that's what it takes sometimes. You got to have that determination. If you want it, you got to go for it. So. Yep. Tish, how about you? Well, uh, my best friend, Barbara Hoy, taught me how to play acoustic guitar um, because we were like huge uh, Hardy Boy fans. And she liked Parker Stevenson and I liked Sean Cassidy. I was pretty sure if I learned how to play uh, guitar that Sean Cassidy would marry me. So uh, that's back when we were kissing their posters at night to go to sleep. Um, and then as I got a little older, um, I, uh, when I moved to LA, I decided I wanted to get a bass and I started playing bass, but I loved like, you know, the psychedelic furs, uh, Tim Butler, Simon Gallup from the cure. They were like my major influences. In fact, I went to a, uh, a, a school for, to learn how to play bass. And my very first lesson I was there, the bass teacher came out and said, yeah, nobody gets to play with a pick. We all have to play with our fingers. And I got up and walked out because I only wanted to play with the pick. So that's kind of how I found my sound. I also saw Susie Quattro as Leather Tuscadero on Happy Days. And I was like, whatever the hell she's doing, that's what I want to do. Because all the guys thought she was like so awesome. And I was like, okay, I found a calling. As you can see, we got into it for all the right all reasons. The right reasons. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty common story. Everybody, you know, you pick up your instrument to attract the opposite sex or whoever you're into. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, how did that lead to um, founding uh, Daisy Rock Girl Guitars? That's a uh, big leap. Yeah, it is a big leap. So I played in a lot of bands in the 80s and the 90s. I would, in fact, I was in an all heavy metal female band called Lipstick. And we had a billboard on the side of the Roxy on Sunset Boulevard. And, um, you know, where the three of us would like run to the front of the stage, drop on one knee, and we'd all windmill to the right together, and then windmill to the left together. And so, um, but I was headlining a show at the FM station called Battle of the Bitches. And uh, a, a common friend that we had in common had brought Michael out to see me play. And, uh, and we had our first, he had asked me out, we had our first date during the LA riots. And oh, wow. so that really kind of kicked off our relationship. And you fast forward, you know, we both, you know, worked retail, tried to do a lot of different jobs while playing in bands, you know, always had a day job playing in bands at night. And um, about five years later, we had our first little daughter, Nicole. And she, one day, as all little kids do, when she's about a year and a half, she drew a daisy. And I drew a neck on that daisy and put a headstock in the shape of a leaf. And by that time, my husband was at Schechter Guitars. And I took it to him and I said, you know what? We should make guitars for girls. 
And he kind of was like, he knew what that meant because as a female bass player, I'm not a very small, petite little girl, but I'd always had these problems. Every time I walked into a music store, I couldn't find something that I liked to play. So I'd play all the basses in the room to try to find a bass I could play. And he had actually made me a bass when we very first started dating because he knew like it was lighter in weight. It had a slimmer neck profile. So we created this very first girl guitar um, with the hope and the concept that if more music stores had guitars for girls, more girls would be drawn into music stores and we could create a lot more girl guitar players. And uh, so we created this actual smaller type instrument aligning the lines of what Prince played at the time and um, created the very first Daisy Rock Girl guitar, which is now in a museum down in Carlsbad, in the NAMM Museum, it hangs up there. We were both inducted into the museum back in 2006. Congratulations, that's awesome. So that's yeah. how we make the leap. <laughs> so, yeah, there used to be a lot of guitar talk around the table. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We kind of quelled that a bit, you know, it becomes, you know, trying to compartmentalize it. But we rewind to that, you know, going to that, that club in, in uh, beautiful Van Nuys, uh, North Hollywood. And here I am, I'm like, at that point, uh, goth guy. So trench coat, black eyeliner, uh, and <laughs> go into this heavy metal club and uh, oh, these bands and it's just the high pitched screaming. And, you know, that, that was never my cup of tea. I mean, no. I, I liked Judas no. Priest and Scorpions a little bit when I was uh, younger, but you know, I've always, that's never been my thing. And if she wouldn't have been so hot, I was going to leave. It was just, <laughs> just I, I can't take, take any more of this. And, not, uh, and, uh, but I, I stayed, made it through their set and, uh, asked her out and, uh, you know, our, the first date happened and LA was burning. So, uh, there was the riots going on. So, yeah, it, it, it was, uh, it was perfect from the start. <laughs> but since I, I know you guys are ministry fans, our, our yeah. first overnight, like date. Overnight. Yeah. So, uh, with, oh, it was, uh, I think to 93 Lollapalooza. No, not at 92. 92 It was the second Lollapalooza, not the one Nine Inch Nails did. It was the second one. She got tickets, some really nice tickets up front. So we go and it's, it's ministry was second before the chili peppers and uh i mean ministry was brutal i mean it was like standing in front of a jet engine and uh <laughs> oh, amazing and the so chili amazing. chili peppers came on after and it was just like somebody you know dropped the volume 100 dbs and it just got it was just like really kind of sad you know <laughs> yeah after that no one it was like ministry was a jet engine and uh and no one was going to follow that and it was kind of strange you know i think it was 26 years later Al sitting in my studio and we're doing a track. So, I mean, this whole beauty and chaos thing has been kind of a, a weird, uh, surreal journey. Uh, and that, that was just one of them, but that, I always thought that was kind of interesting. Well, ministry had like, like two drummers and like six guitar oh, yeah. players. Mm -hmm. yep. Like it was just like a wall hit you down when they were on stage. It was a very amazing line. Yeah, Paul and I saw them, what was it like 96, I think? Yeah, with the, the Young Gods. The, on the filth pig tour and man it was uh, we know what you're talking about yeah. yeah and we were both young and at the time like we saw them and the subs were so powerful i left that show the next morning i woke up my back was sore and it wasn't that i was doing anything like any kind of crazy rigorous activity i was standing there just taking it all in but the low frequencies were hitting so hard that my muscles yeah. hurt so <laughs> that was definitely one of the more impactful shows i've been to he left an impact literally <laughs> yeah i was worried about my heart for a couple of songs <laughs> <Yeah. though. laughs> 
320. That's how you know it's a good concert, though, That's if right. you're worried about your heart. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, well, speaking of Beauty and Chaos, I, I just want to say, and I'm not trying to be a fanboy here, but thank you for an album that has really kind of spanned a longer time than just the initial release. Um, and I'm, that's beside the remix, but um, listening to it has really kind of brought back memories in a way for the sound of the album, as well as just hearing, you know, familiar voices, familiar tones, like Doug Pinnock's bass, for instance, and just the whole collaborative process has just really taken me through the time span of me discovering those bands almost in real time, you know, because like you go from track to track and it's like, oh yeah, I remember when I first heard Cheap Trick and I remember when I first heard King's X and things like that. But nonetheless, it's been on rotation several times and I've I've not been, it's not been something that I've tabled and put away. I keep coming back to it frequently and, and I just want to thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, I, it's in any other album I've been part of, I, I've been, far more critical of. And I, I mean that, I, I think with this record, I'm, uh, some reason I've been able to listen to it differently and, and, and be a fan of the, the singers who, you know, the singer and the lyricist of it and, and kind of step out. I, I don't find myself when I listen to this record, like diving into listening, you know, zeroing in on the guitar parts, like, oh shit, I wish I would have did something different there. Or, you know, that's too, too low to, you know, well, where it's been in the past has been like a critical listening. This, uh, I've honestly been able to listen to it as, as sort of a fan, and uh, which I think has given it uh, longevity to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, But yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate the kind words on it. it uh, I'm really proud of what, what happened here. And I, I, I think we've created a vehicle that I hope just continues to expand and evolve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I had a question real quick. It was Paul touched on the collaborations um, and man, you got some really great, really great collabs on here. Um, did your position at Schechter, uh, did that offer you easier access to anyone you didn't already know? Well, well uh, the position certainly has put me in, in the position to, to, to know these guys, but it's, it's been, I've been doing Schechter as president since 1996. So it's uh, my relationships, have, have, you know, with these guys, it's, it's been a, a friend basis, you know, I mean, we all have families and we talk, we talk music, we talk kids and, uh, it, you know, I, I, I would have never been without this position. I wouldn't have been in, you know, it known them, but, uh, it, it, it helped and uh, you know, I, they, they all did this because they wanted to, you know, I've had a couple, right. you know, a couple of snide comments like, oh, they just, you know, these guys are in it, uh, you know, you work with them or give them instruments. And I mean, that's a lot of shit, you know, these guys are, they, they're not going to put their name on something or be part of it. And I, I witnessed the, hours in the work and you know people robin zander toiling over lyrics and sending stuff back and you know when you get an email from simon of the cure uh going hey i'm working on a baseline kind of like love song uh does that sound how's that sound to you like is that the direction you want to go and you know then hard not to fanboy with the cure and go yeah man <laughs> No, I don't. I think you should go a different route on that song. <laughs> yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> relationship with all these guys and girls that that came first that I think has made this kind of a a, a unique family situation. And uh, 
they, they all have, you know, really enjoyed it. They've been really in, influential to me before. You know, most of these guys, their records are a big part of our collection. I mean, when we go back to us dating, it was, you know, The Mission, The Cure, you know, Sisters of Mercy, Cheap Trick, all those ministry, uh, all those records like spun in our little CD player like so many nights. Uh, and, you know, feel blessed that, you know, to know them outside of that. And, you know, they're all good people. And I think this whole Beauty and Chaos has actually attracted and brought really good people into the fold. And you don't always find that in, this, in the music business, you know. Uh, record or manufacturing. I mean, some real jackasses out there. And I think we're blessed that the people that have come in that work with the band, between the video people, photographers, I mean, they've just become family. And uh, I think they all look at it as being part of this. I would say yeah. as a fan, I, I, I myself personally am not a musician, but I've always been a huge music fan since I was a very small child. And, um, now that I'm an adult, when I see someone that I'm a fan of who turns out to be or seems to be a decent human being, that actually goes a long way in making me like them even more. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, there's some, I mean, being in, in our position in the, in the guitar business, you do get people, and just being in Los Angeles in general, I think there are this, what can you do for me? Uh, mentality and it, you know I grew up in New Orleans and that's not you know to me people in the south are I find them more genuine uh, than when people like California it, it's you know maybe just the entertainment business I don't want to generalize California but uh, I think there's always that mentality of you know stepping you know using people as stepping stones and uh, and I've always uh, for a while I transcribed to that never meet your idol uh, mentality, mm -hmm. says, you know, I've met, there's been a couple of people I've met before doing this that are, you know, real dicks. I mean, you can edit that <laughs> out if you have to, but I mean, and it, it, it's just, you know, the music business, I mean, it, all it is, is really somebody that got a break over somebody and did. And there, I mean, the levels of talent and everything doesn't vary from a band that's, you know, sold one record to somebody that sold, you know, 10 million copies. It, it, I think it, it is really a bit of luck in who you know and stuff in that. So, I mean, I, I just don't, I think people that actually start believing their own press and, and arrogant about it, you know, I, I don't have time for that people. And thank God that, that there's nobody in, that's been involved in this record that has any of that. You know, I didn't know Ice-T. He's the only person on this record that I didn't really have a relationship. I knew... Uh, Ernie and Vince of Body Count, they've been friends for years. Nice. And when we, we were working on a natural disaster, we came to that part and it's like, man, we have something, need something in this this breakdown section. We let the part go and it was like, eh, maybe, you know, I know uh, Kobe from, from Papa Roach, he would be great in there. Yeah. And uh, I forget, maybe it was Mike Rosan and said, don't, don't you work with Ice-T? And it was like, wow, that would be interesting. And reached out to to ernie and he goes let me talk to ice and he's like ice will do it and you know <laughs> then we recorded it and uh we, we got to meet him at uh at the nam show uh Schechter does a party each year and last year we had ice tea and uh and bo actually had body count that was my first time uh us getting to meet him and he actually shot his little video clip 
at the show, but nice guy. And it's like, I think he said, song came out dope. So I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to like that. Sweet. At least my kid said, you know, the lingo, that made dad, he likes it. So. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. Foggy, Tony, do either, either of you have questions? Uh, yeah, I'll jump in here real quick. Um, and not to be too much of a fanboy, but I had to make sure I was representing. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so, yeah. Before he asks this question, I want to tell you, I told the guys, our goal was not to be like Chris Farley on SNL when he's interviewing Paul McCartney. Remember when you did yeah. that song? That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. No, but, um, so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I remember hearing a, uh, interview with david gilmore who said that he could never experience dark side of the moon because he created it so he couldn't just like open an album and put it on and hear it for the first time and i wondered if you know you talked about handing the keys over a lot um with the remixes did that kind of give you um an ability to kind of then re hear your music differently kind of as someone experiencing it for the first time yeah it uh it it started by accident like the whole idea of doing this remix record uh i had wayne hussey from the mission invited me to come down to to texas to austin where tim palmer has his studio and i've you know been a huge tim palmer fan i mean his work with the mission uh tin machine robert plant i mean the the guys his resume is just incredible and i've all i mean i spent countless hours when i was really heavy into the studio side of things just listening like how's he get that space how's he do you know all that so going to meet tim was was cool and we went out after and we had a a couple of drinks so i went you know okay i'm gonna go ahead and ask him why not all we could say is no (laughs) and uh because Wayne had already committed to doing some songs. So I asked him, he said, yes. So when Wayne sent the vocals, I sent the tracks to Tim, but I I sort of failed to tell him like this little imposed rule that I had placed on myself on this record, which was going to be no keyboards. And I wanted to show myself I could do the, you know, do all the guitar stuff, orchestrate and do all that with, within and, uh, in my excitement of him saying yes, I didn't tell him that. So he sends both mixes back. I put them on and <laughs> listen, and it's like, okay, there's another guitar part. Ooh, there's mm-hmm. keyboards, and then like, now what? What to do now? <laughs> like, right. Again, you were, you know, you're fantastic, and you worked with Bowie. Can you pull all this stuff you did off of the mix? <laughs> so that just yeah. spawned the idea of, you know, well, maybe there's some other people. That, that can do this. And, you know, I, I knew enough, uh, you know, producers and engineers and stuff, and it, it, it just started an idea. And uh, it also, I think, gave me a little bit of time to kind of step back and not, you know, since Beauty and Chaos, at least right now, isn't a live entity, I started immediately putting this pressure on myself, like, what what next? When I'm got to do another record, got, you know, all that. And it was like this remix record, which, blossomed in, into a, a massive uh, listen of 25 tracks uh, was also sort of a, a breath that allowed you know me and Michael to step back and start going, really let that happen while we started thinking about what was going to happen next. And uh, it, yeah, it, it was, it's, it's really great to hear the way people interpreted stuff. I mean, my favorite remixes on the records are the ones that, you know, people totally disassembled them and uh 
added stuff, change like chord structures within the vocals that really take it to different places. And uh, yeah, it's it, again, I'm able to listen to that because I mean, some remix records, you know, I they sound good for one listen, like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, I mean, if you were in a dance club or something, uh, yeah, put that on. But I, I, I really hoped, and I think a lot of this record is uh, good for more than one listen. Some of the songs really stand on their own as just a, a song. I think the Long Goodbye, the piano version, that's just, I mean, I still listen to that and it's like brings me to tears like that was part of that and uh we, we i think we've got quite a few and i think it's really diverse uh yeah. across the board as the way yeah. people what where they took them you know it wasn't just you know dance beats with drum machines and you know cut them up there was it's again a lot of everybody that said yes and they kept being more and people more and more people going hey i'd like to try one i want to do it uh it, it just kind of grew, and I think it's uh, as diverse, but also as cohesive, hopefully, as, the first, as, as Finding Beauty and Chaos. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with <clears throat> some of what you said there, because, and I even wrote it in the, the review, I, so many remixes I just don't like because they sound like the Dance Club remix, and they just add the beats, and it's all peppy and everything. <clears throat> there were actually three songs that I like better than the originals on the remix, and those are Storm, when he completely stripped that down and re-sang, did that whole thing. That was just beautiful. Um, Look Up, the one that's really acoustic. I think it's track three. Um, the voice is still highlighted, which I think was really important. And then you mentioned the long goodbye um, with that grand piano and his voice um, is so good in that. Those three songs, to me, are better. I prefer them over the originals. I think, you know, if you, if you can strip a song back and it still stands up, then I think it's a really good song that's going to stand the test of time it isn't studio tricks it isn't you know uh, a flavor uh and i think i think those songs hit it you know real well the uh the look up version that you're referring to by magma uh yeah they put a lot of work in that i mean i think the only my only guitar on that track is just a little soundscape parts at the end uh Alex uh, replayed, like he did bass, he did play drums. I mean, he basically just took Tish's vocals. And, uh, you know, that, that makes it really interesting. You know, again, that shows somebody taking something, loving the song and going, I can do this with it, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think we've got quite a few of those on the record. And that's, I mean, from, from having a studio background, I mean, that's a lot of work. And, I mean, again, that people are willing that we're willing to put that kind of time into it you know it, it's it makes you feel real good about what we did Absolutely. i would agree with one thing you said there um you know you said if it stands up to people tinkering with it it's a good song i totally agree with that if you can take it and do it in a totally different style whether it be a cover or a remix i that's really where the song kind of shines it's if someone can reinterpret it and it still sounds amazing I think that's a testament to good songwriting. For sure. And, you know, you also mentioned, you know, Tish, Tish singing. Sorry, I get a little tongue-tied sometimes. I need more water here. But I just wanted to say, too, you know, Tish, your vocals are beautiful on this album. And one question. <laughs> 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 hey, I, I mean. Hey, 
away. You can go away. It's just us now. <laughs> this has been the Michael Show. We're on to the Tish Show. Uh, <laughs> you know, I did an album back in 2010, and I'm not making this about me, but in a comparative experience and comparable my my wife did one song on the album and she's very shy she doesn't i mean we were music majors together and she moved to a music minor and she hated doing recital hours because she didn't want to be up in front of anybody singing even though she sounds angelic i got her to sing on on one of my albums and i really i didn't have to coach her as far as what to do and and you know that was pitchy or anything like that because she nailed it it was just more you can do this come on give me a little more energy and things like that so i'm just curious you know being a you know, a dynamic couple who's have who has a history as is working on songs together. Is that a different process for you than, you know, your everyday life? Yeah, I mean, because um, I play bass on a couple other songs, too, on the, and I didn't even play bass on Look Up. So mm -hmm. there's a, you know, I think predominantly first, I'm always a bass player, and I always have felt that way. Um, and then I've been in a lot of bands where I've done backups, and I've, like, helped write songs. But this is the first time... Michael really put me to task to write a song. And um, and I feel like I, you know, I showed up and, and really gave it what I could and wanted to tell this incredible story about our life together. And then, of course, he makes me just shine brilliantly in the studio. So right. I, none of that would have been possible with any anybody else in the studio but my husband. I know no. that. Now, that was uh, Michael Rosen. And you, yeah. well, both of you guys. Yeah, I mean... That was one of the last songs that we, you know, as the record uh, was, I, I thought it was stopping at like nine songs, then 10, then 11. <laughs> and I, I think and it, it's, it's kind of obvious like, listening to that song. It's, it's got a very, uh, My Bloody Valentine, yeah. Slow Dive, Lush, like that whole uh, mid-90s shoegaze thing, which I, I really love that. I mean, I think Loveless is just a, a, a groundbreaking record. Uh, so I, I started listening to that. I'm going, you know, had this little riff, had a bunch of pedals going, delays and stuff, and some red wine, and started writing this riff. And I went, yeah, Tish, I, I know she'll do something really cool on that. So we, M Michael and I went in and did played the riffs. He did the drums, and he came up with a very cool bass line. And uh, she came in, and she had, you know, within two nights, like the first night kind of getting it, and then came back and then, I mean, it's got layers and layers of vocals, but give, yeah. give it that, you know, there's a whisper track under it. And mm -hmm. it's, I mean, everything kind of in that, I think makes that song work. And that was uh, for being one of the last songs on it. Uh, I always, when, even before it was out, I was telling her, this is going to be the dark horse on the record. <laughs> this is, you, you may not have the name cachet as most of the other people on it. I said, but this is, you know, this is the song's gonna stand out, and uh, I think the, the the video we did for that we had so much fun doing yeah, that, it and uh, it again that, that came out exactly what I envisioned for for it to be. That's excellent. You know, you're talking about the textures and all the pedals. I've got I've got all the pedals here. I just I never have really drank red wine and played, so maybe that's my missing piece. I'm gonna have to try that. <laughs> you will never have as many as my husband. Oh no, <laughs> I'm sure I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just lay back and guitar were, falling over. Were you talking about pedals or red wine? <laughs> Both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind yeah. of a, a, a pedal nut. Uh, you know, it's really a crutch. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think I, I grew up with, you know, guitar players that were never technically amazing players. You mm -hmm. know, me, Johnny Thunders, Johnny Nick Thunders. Ronson, who's a great player, you know, or, or some of the, you know, 
what, what I cut my teeth on, but I was never the, you know, Jimmy Page or Gilmore and all that kind of came to me later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I was stunted <laughs> my growth as a musician or at least guitar being technical, but I've always managed to uh, come up with sounds and, uh, and, and maybe not having the, the crazy knowledge, uh, maybe approaching some of the parts a little bit differently than someone that's, you know, went to Berkeley mm-hmm. MI for. Certainly. I can relate in that, you know, in my beginning journey, I wasn't a flashy lead player. I was always more rhythm, but I always loved just hanging on to the simplicity of a melody and the way the bass changed underneath it. And it's just like those notes would kind of go different directions, but they would hit in a way that it just created a, a nice stack. And you were just like, ooh, you know what I mean? It didn't have to be fast. It was just, it just had to hit that right moment. So yeah, that, there are bands that do that real well. I think The Cure is a great example. Precisely. You know, that has the a, a great bass line and then lots of parts that fit and you could subtract things and add it and it still still works. Yeah. You, know, you can make it build or you can subtract it and open it up with all just by muting or lowering things. And I think we have some of that on on this record as far as uh, you know, really Michael Rosan's like to me a, a musical mad scientist and he certainly pushed me, you know, I mean, there are points that I think guitars went flying across the room just, but I think he knew what buttons to push and you can get that better or that, you know, that sounds too rock or that sound, you know, and, and, and push me to take it another step further. And uh, I think we, we created some pretty interesting sounds and textures from the guitar. And I, I really love that we put that uh, limitation on this record because I do think limitations can be a, a, a good artistic, you know, uh, push by just saying you can only, you can stay, you got to stay in this box. So trying to figure out what the next box is going to be uh, since I've now opened the, the gate and say that we can use keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. No, that's, that's uh, awesome. I had a question. Yeah, I had a question. You guys kind of touched on some of this, but I was wondering if you could expand on it a little bit. Um, do either one of you, if you could speak on like your, uh, if you have like a formula when you're writing songs, what you come up with first as far as melody, riff, lyrics, um, or do you just kind of have a piece you start out with and build on it from there? How does that change when you get into the studio, that kind of thing? I think on this record, uh, it, it, it really started from a sound or a part and, and some of it, much to my wife's chagrin, some of it I wrote on bass because she always says I'm a wannabe bass player. <laughs> it, 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 it's just something that, you know, to me that would spark a vibe that naturally led into a second part. And, uh, you know, I didn't do any, every song on this record is co-written with the singer. You know, I, nothing was given to them as far as lyrics and melody. Uh, I mean, most of the songs were, com- were completely done, including a lot of the esoteric, you know, melodies that are going along. And I, I thought they did an amazing job not latching on. Sometimes if you're, you know, I'm working with a singer, if you have a kind of a key melody or a guitar part that's, you know, you'll find a singer like start following that and, and the, these guys that worked in this record were pros that were able to kind of work in and around it. And all they really got was the idea of, you know, what I told them, beauty, 
and chaos meant to me or why the whole record was going to be called Finding Beauty in Chaos. And that was really the only tidbit they had. And some of them took it a little more literal than others, but uh, somehow it, it came out cohesive that way. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think usually, you know, even stuff that uh, Tish and I have written vocals and vocal melodies for, it's usually the music first, you know. I. I, I think just reckon I, I, I do have instrumental mixes, all of this, and every now and then I'll put that on in the background. And it, it, they think even musically, I think the songs create a mood or a cool soundscape. You know, I've always had this interest in, in film scoring and, you know, maybe this will be a jump to it. Uh, but, you know, for this record, it was all, all music first and handing it over to some great singers that also wrote some, you know, really great lyrics. And you guys touched on, I'm glad, you know, sometimes people don't even get, you know, the lyrics don't mean much to people, but I've always, you know, been attracted, you know, in, in love songs that lyrically meant something and that were also open-ended enough to where you can, you know, it's not a literal meaning where it's like, you know, you can kind of take from it and, 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 and have your own feeling at what it means. And it could be completely different than what the singer had in mind but i think those are some of the best songs awesome okay. and i love i love it when the uh the person who wrote the song will not reveal what their true meaning was behind that song so it keeps it open for people to make it their own um i think that's more special than here's exactly what i had in mind you know what i mean yeah it's not always storytelling it's i mean for the singer it is but i think everybody's story is a little bit different i think on this re record uh everyone's beauty and everyone's chaos is a little bit different. I think we all have that in our life and yeah. you know, it, it's, it's different with everybody. And uh, I think that's kind of was special in that, but there's, there's some fantastic lyricists on this record. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, to touch on that, one thing I kind of live by is we are all the sum of our own experiences, not to get, you know, metaphysical and all that kind of stuff, but nonetheless, we all have our journeys and our paths and it brings us together or apart in, in different points of time. When, when, you know, you saying that, um, you know, collaborating with the singers and, and co-writing and things like that. And I mentioned in, in the initial review that it felt like, you know, Beauty and Chaos has its sound, but there was a complimentary nature to the guests that were on the album. You could hear their presence in, in what they've done in the past, too, but not in a way where it's like got a stamp on it, per se. But the sum of those experiences come together so nicely on, on these releases. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, looking back at it now, just on paper to go, if, if I would have thought that we would have been able to make something cohesive with Robin Zander and then Wayne Hussey and then Doug Pinnock and like the- Michael Anthony. Yeah, like yeah. The, these guys would have never been on a record together, but I, I think somehow, and I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to Michael Rose on here, uh, it, it, it sounds like they shouldn't be on a record. I was always worried that this could just come out and sound like a compilation record. Uh, like here, here's Michael and all his friends, you know, that are across the board. And I, I think it, it actually flows real well. I mean, a lot of time was spent on how uh, the track order, which I don't think people really care so much about anymore because you can put that in a CD in and hit skip. Uh, you know, a random on your computer and it's just, you know, uh, you know, I don't think Dark Side of the Moon was meant to be listened to in, in a, a different order. And uh, we, we certainly worked on that. And I think that 
lent, it's uh, made the songs kind of go into each other. And, you know, it, it worked. Yeah, I agree. Um, it looks like, you know, from the moment we heard about you and started uh, listening and reviewing, it just seems like you work your tail off to get this, get the word out, get the record out there. How different is it now than it was in the 80s? I know the record industry is so much different now. Um, how, how much different is it for you? It, it feels like you kind of are going a lot more alone than maybe back then when you had a big push from a record company. Yeah, it, it was different. You know, I think I learned early in this business by being parts of bands that actually end up getting a, a major label deal or even a independent deal that that's not going to change your life, you know? And uh, it's, I think the way people have consumed music now, and I think there's a different value or a lack of value placed on music. I think people just want it for free. It's like, it should be on Spotify. It should be, you know, just put it on YouTube. And, you know, I think they, they forget there is a, an art or also a cost to doing this and not to turn it into a, a monetary thing. And it's not just about this record. I always think that if you like a band and you want them to see them do it again, buy their record, go to their show, buy the t-shirt, you know, I mean, then they, they keep doing it. Uh, I think in this industry now, people are so okay with just copying it or trying to find a way to get it for free. You know, I mean, I guess, I don't see people go in a museum and go, I love this piece of art. I'm going to take out my phone and snap a picture of it. And I won't even buy the reproduction of it. It's just, it, it's different now. And, uh, you know, thankfully I, I have a really good PR person, Shauna and shameless promotion. You know, she's just a, a, a single lady out of, out of Canada that just loves music and works it. And we've, you know, through this, we've met people like you, uh, you know, Ryan from Jammerzine, uh, Kevin uh, with the, the big takeover. And it just, they, and they've become kind of friends. And I think there, there are people out there that are championing independent music. And that is what the, you know, I could have Cheap Trick on it, but it's still a indie band on an indie label. And, and every bit of this is, is really important. And if you're not willing to, to work it, and I think even for us, being that it's not a live entity, this type of stuff's even more important, uh, you know, and hell, I, I, I live this record. I'm happy to talk about it. And I, it's not lost on me. Anybody that, that likes it, you know, I know people have so much uh, on their plate. And there's, I, I think when I was buying records, I mean, that's really, that was such a, a big part of what, you know, come home from school, put an album on, see what's coming out, you know, wow, this is coming out in two weeks. People are so inundated, you know, with, you know, 500 channels, uh, video games, you know, news, 24-hour news. It's just yeah. like, yeah. you know, to sit there and go, I'm going to put a record on seems to be way different than it was, you know, and I'll date myself, but when I was a kid, you know, I usually put a record on and listen to it, flipped it over and uh -huh. uh, listen to the other side. It was more of a experience than I think background than it is now. And it's sad. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's a, maybe I, I know there's a resurgence in vinyl, uh, which, which is wonderful. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it'll ever return to the importance that it, 
that it had to me and to a lot of my friends and probably most of the people that are on this album, but try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will pledge to you right now. If you guys get together a live show, I'll be there. Same. I'm there. <laughs> yep. That's all you have to do. Get everybody yeah. together one time and we'll be there. There is, you know, I, I, I get asked that quite a bit on this. Uh, and it was, that was never the, it was never going to be that only because I just didn't think it was going to be possible. And uh, so it was always a studio uh, entity. Uh, but I find myself thinking about it more. Maybe it's because I'm lit. I miss playing live right now. And we've, we've had a couple of festivals say, what if, what if, and uh, I, I kind of got a short list of some people that, seem like they would be interested in doing it that would put up enough you know it would allow us to do enough songs to put on a show and 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 do the the record justice i mean i think i've said before i would never ask one singer you know like ask ashton go hey can you sing the xander song or you know can you sing the pinnick song or i just don't mm -hmm. think that you become a a parody of yourself and uh so it might happen. We'll, we'll we'll have an EP out first, and then we're we're looking at some festivals next year. And fingers crossed, if if it if some pieces fall into place, there may be a couple of live Union Chaos shows. Cool. But I play yeah. bass, so <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> for sure. Ask her to play you the bass line for Bloodless and Fragile, and if she passes that audition, oh, then we can... you're so mean. <laughs> Michael told us earlier that you would be performing tonight on the podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, you were talking. I'm listening to all this and I like the, I'm not a musician at all, but I have been in fine arts all of my life. And so kind of feel like I love the grittiness of so what that the industry changed. I'm still going to make music or I'm still going to do an art, you know? And so, and the fact, like you mentioned, like Jammerzine, and because because I we found you guys, and uh, then I did some research. Now I found some articles on there, and there's like this you can't stop it force of connectedness. You know, once it starts to happen, um, so there's that plus side of like the world gets smaller with the internet. But uh, it all all this goes all all the way back though. You're talking about beauty and chaos, and like, what's that mean to you, even outside the record? What's that phrase mean to you guys? I, I think it goes back a little bit to what I said about being inundated. You know, I, I, I think every way you turn, it's, uh, you know, news. There's never any, it's, it's rarely anything good, you know, that you hear. You're just bombarded with politics, religion, you know, uh, the coming apocalypse, world's going to end, you know, left side right side it's just it just seems all negative and you know it's even you go to water cooler and it's just people just talking how it's just this air of you know unhappiness and uh it, it becomes wearing and it's hard not to to fall victim to that and you know i think sometimes you gotta and I mean, I don't always do it. My wife will probably slap me, but I don't. You know, to sit there and look around and go, look, we got two beautiful, uh, healthy, healthy girls that are strong, independent women. Uh, you know, I, we both have jobs that are able to put our kids in the college. You know, I mean, uh, there is a lot of good if you look, if you, if you actually 
you know, look for it or, or let it, you know, let it be. And uh, so, yeah, it was just uh, the idea of finding something good, the beauty in, in the chaos that seems, you know, to surround us. Uh, and and, and to, to, to do a record about it and not be preachy, you know, because mm-hmm. my faith is different than your faith. My chaos is different than what you're going through in your life. And it's just, I, I think, uh, starting to work with Ashton, I think the, the line about the, sto- the, the lyrics in Storm, uh, there's always a light. I think that was such a key lyric to, to tie this record together, that there is, there is good out there and there are good people. And, you know, uh, Beauty and Chaos, like I was saying before, we've attracted and really good people that have become part of it. I mean, Beauty and Chaos isn't me. It isn't just me and Michael. And it's, it actually isn't just me and Michael and the people that are on this record. It is you guys, Jamerzine, uh, Shauna, uh, Tim Paul, all these people have just become kind of like part of it and are happy to kind of talk about it and their involvement and what they'd like to see happen. So, I mean, this is something uh, that really... It, it's created something that's a snowball and I think a much needed one. Uh, at least I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to see where it can go. And I, I think our cover of the record perfectly uh, exemplifies what, you know, beauty and chaos that, uh, that dilapidated building that some friends of mine, uh, Greg and, and Sarah in Pennsylvania, their hobby is going to shoot these abandoned buildings, like out in the houses. middle of houses that, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of the, the earth is taken back. So just that whole idea of them walking into something that's rusted, but then as this beautiful tree is wrapped around it, and it's just like, well, there's beauty in the chaos there. And uh, so taking that building and putting to what uh, for our beauty is our, our, our two daughters and putting them in that situation, I think that that puts a stamp on, on what that, that means. Well said. You know, yeah. Tish, awesome. do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean, I, I think when you see a crack in the sidewalk and you see the flower coming through, that to me was like in my brain always, that's, that's the beauty of the chaos right there. It's beauty always wins, will always break through. And, um, and making my husband look at life that way and being grateful for everything we have every day, I think is part of what I do. <laughs> 26 uh. years together is a testament. So you guys are doing something right. Congratulations. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. Keep trying. It doesn't, it doesn't always happen people that are in entertainment. Yeah. You know, and obviously we're not Fred and uh, who's his wife? Angelina, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that. I think just staying grounded and trying to be, uh, be a good person and you attract I think you attract good people. And as, as you get, you go through life, I think you wise up and uh, hopefully learn to recognize the people that are, are users and, and not good people. And it's not that uh, you don't lend a helping hand to someone, but you know, those people that are, that become a, a time suck an inspiration suck, uh, you know, starting to learn to just kind of separate myself from that and focus on what, what actually is important. Huh? Yep. That's We're getting all like metaphysical on you guys here. No, I love it. This personally, is yeah. This is this is yeah. what's great. I mean, because let's, let's talk. Let's talk about Zach Wild. Let's bring it. Back. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. This is totally cool, go. man. Um, I was just gonna say real quick too, because you know you're talking about um, 
you know, kind of keeping it grounded and everything. My wife does the same thing to me where if I'm busy and I get stressed out after a while, if I get too tense, she's like, you know what? You need to go play some guitar and kind of unwind a little bit. So she's very <laughs> supportive and knows that creative outlet is very important to my well-being. So, um, you know, I count my blessings there for sure. And that's that's awesome that you two have that going also. Well, certainly my wife and Michael Rose on, I think they were watching some of the frustration when I was doing the last human drama record. And I think that, I mean, those guys I grew up with and we've gone through a lot together. But I do think there gets, you know, sometimes there's a point that you just grow apart musically mm -hmm. and, uh you know start trying to be a a round peg in a square hold or vice versa mm -hmm. and it just i think they both would see the my wife the frustration of coming home and i think just on the fact of the human drama side of it it's just like competing with keyboards piano strings acoustic guitars just like the guitar or the electric guitar at least the way i play was taking such a, a diminished role in it. And uh, as I was kind of expanding into the whole soundscapes, it's like, that's fantastic, but you don't hear it. And uh, I think she was sensing that frustration. And Michael Rosan, who was uh, actually recording the guitar parts, just simply turned around and said, man, do your own record. And uh, <laughs> it, it kind of started that uh, innocently. And I, I thought for a second, and I, I went home and I went, okay, so if I do this, I'm going to get to sing. And I came back and, and uh, told Michael, so what if we do this? And I asked, and I get, you know, ask friends uh, to, to be part of this and have guest singers. And he's like, do you think you, you can pull that off? And I think the next week, Robin Zander came in the studio. Yeah. And then a few days later, uh, Al came in and he goes, you can make this happen. And it was uh, so we were on our way. And then he and Al hit it off fantastic. And Michael engineered and uh, the, the last Americant uh, ministry record. And he's working with Al again yeah. on the new record. So, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, just kind of spider webs, uh, you know, kind of the, the way things do now. Uh, you know, you just meet people and it's, you know, good people just be in a, working together and that that worked real well very cool that's really cool you mentioned zach wild let's yeah let's open that door for sure <clears throat> the, the madman himself the man who found what was it, was it that he said that uh his face was an, a natural disaster <laughs> natural so it was only fitting <laughs> i love it yeah. i love it he's one of the funniest guys yeah, i know funny. and he's uh probably him and doug pinnock are probably the two hardest working guys mm -hmm. i've at in this industry they are always playing they're always doing a record or touring i mean zach's juggling you know ozzy black label society uh zach sabbath then he goes out on the hendrix experience or, or generation acts and i mean the dude just loves playing guitar doug and he's in about 100 bands isn't he yeah doug does i mean he's doing king's x again he just did a, a new uh kxm record yeah. uh he does grinder blues uh i mean those guys are great and they're you know they're looked at as you know players players you know? and uh to to just see how humble they are i mean hell zach i asked i thankfully i've become friends with zach you know and uh just just a sweetheart guy great dad uh, yeah. and 
I asked him about coming to play as we were starting to do this, uh, the remix record. And even though I, I kind of liked my solo in Unnatural Disaster, it was just a, a one take, me stepping on the Wawa and just kind of going for it. It's like, you know, it doesn't hold a candle to Zach, but the guy came in the day after playing, uh, I think it was maybe Ozzy did the forum here and Zach shows up, you know, got his guitar, not in a case and a couple of pedals. <laughs> For the mic, let's go. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's a true friend, you know? I mean, I'm sure the guy would have, you know, had, had a lot of other stuff to do that day. And he came in and shot the video and really interesting. Not my, that's not the guitar school I grew up in, but, you know, I actually thought that he was just going to sit there and just play as many notes, played a lot of notes, but <laughs> on a 32 bar, uh solo like really work out each section like he took it as like little eight bar bites and he worked it out and he said you know i learned that how eddie constructs his solo and randy rhodes and like you know guys that were his influence and it was really being a fly in the wall and watching zach like actually construct that was pretty cool that's that awesome. an amazing feel for i mean it's he's just crazy talented yeah, and I sit there and go, there's a million guitar players that would, you know, sitting on this couch in my little, you know, 20 by 20 studio watching Zach just rip uh, would just like, you know, give an arm for. And uh, he's cutting up and he's laughing. And then the funny part is when these guys turn to me and go, what do you think? I'm sitting there with Robin did a couple of vocal takes. And then he comes in the studio and he sits down. And he's got the lyrics sheet and he, and he goes play on the playback he goes what do you think of that and it's hard not to go go back to as a kid having you know in color you know and surrender uh, listening to surrender dream police and you go this is a guy and he's asking me what do i think and you go hey you know robin you're a little flat on that one <laughs> <laughs> that's surreal yeah Oh, man. I, yeah. What do I think? You're Robin fucking Xander. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And yeah. then to to have Michael Anthony in there and yeah. his vocals, mm -hmm. you know, Amazing. are such a trademark. Like his harmonies of Van Halen and him go, hey, yeah, just give me three tracks and we'll stack them. That's what I did in Halen. And it's just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> give me three tracks. Yeah. yeah. I always, the backing vocals in Van Halen, and I know it was, you know him, what him and Eddie really, but him especially, man, he's just incredible. Oh, it's him. That I mean, I, I, he, he can still sit there and when he's warming up, you know, he hit all the stuff and like running with the devil and and stuff like that. He's still got that, uh, you know, range and it's it, it's it was actually pretty cool. And them, you know, you would think those guys would have done something together, and it's really the first time. Uh, They've, they've been on a record together. I mean, Cheap Trick and Van Halen played tons of shows together. Oh, but sure. But really the first time they've ever been on it. And after I think I asked Robin about that, and I'm going, how come you never? He goes, he goes, dude, you hear that guy sing? I'm not going to sing with him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's Robin talking about, you know, a background singer. I mean, oh, Robin's, man. Robin's probably the best American rock and roll singer. You know, you throw him in Steven Tyler, but I mean, yep. you know, that dude doesn't phone it in. I've seen Chip, you know, Cheap Trick multiple times. And I mean, he, they're not tuning down to D to try to, to you know, to sing those songs. I mean, he, he's got pipes. 
Yeah, you had, you, I mean, that lineup across the board is amazing. Is there anybody that you wish you could have had, or if you were to do a 2.0 of this one or a second record, is there somebody that you just have to have on that record? Or that you didn't get, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I certainly have my wish list, you know, and I mean, I don't, it's not like I'm sitting here thumbing through a Rolodex and able to go, wow, we didn't, you know, we didn't get, you know, so-and-so. Didn't have Robert Plan on this one or, you know, <laughs> didn't have Bono. Let's, let's call Bono, you know, but uh, I mean, I, I wanted Robert Smith on it, you know, and over the years he and I have become, you know, friends just, you know, again, through Schechter, but, you know, we're similar age and similar, grew up with punk rock and, everything and i mean send him a track and uh he wrote back i really like it i'm struggling with pure lyrics and gee that's almost two years and i i, I tend to believe him because they haven't put out their record yet yeah, saying well. that it's because there are no lyrics uh so i mean i'd love it you know but i mean having simon gallup you know it that was that's just wonderful for me uh what about like richard butler yeah, if you, if you want my short list, and if we're broadcasting this out, we'll put a sign, call if interested. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think Richard Butler, the psychedelic furs, is just yes. fantastic. Sweet. I mean, the, the guy's got a, a, a limited, and I don't mean that in a, a negative way, but if, if you're looking at a piano, if that guy can sing 12 notes across, what he does within that is just amazing. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to work with him. You know, my wife's going to punch me, but I'm going to say Shirley Manson. I was, you I'm know. I'm not going to punch you. I mean. <laughs> I, I Just was, because he has a crush. Why? Well, well it's, 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 it's a crush. A badass. I think she, yeah. lyrically, she's just, you know, she's got, you know, like my wife, wife, you know, she's a badass and she, she sings with venom, but also just amazing melodies and counter melodies. Uh, I'd love to work with her. I, I think. Julian Reagan from All About Eve, I just think has a wonderful voice. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Rankin from. Uh, oh uh, yes. You know, yes. I, I love that. Actually, you know how you talked about going to see Stabbing Westward. I saw Leslie and, and Martin Atkins do uh, Ruby at Colway here. Uh, so jealous. This sounds like there was less people than what you saw at Stabbing Westward, and that it's it's hard not to go to that and. First, I feel bad for them, but were, she was amazing. Yeah. But you go, this is the state of music right now. This is jaded LA that, you know, you're going to see a line around the block, some people going to some dance club, but when you have, have this lady just who I think is amazing and pulling it off live. I mean, they had Martin played the drums and she was had an iPad in her hand and was doing all the effects and kind of going, you know, you know, it was just great. I mean... I actually have talked to her a little bit and, you know, certainly nothing in stone, but at least I've got a dialogue going. Uh, I'm sure other people, you know, I mean, uh, fan of Ruby and that, that CD, when that came out, it was amazing. And there was a couple of singles that had remixes and I mean, we bought everything and then they just disappeared. I was yeah. so upset. Yeah, she moved to my hometown in New Orleans, which sometimes becomes a vacuum to people. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a or a death. Yeah, so. it's an amazingly <laughs> musical city, which I didn't appreciate growing up. You know, I, you know, I, you always want to get out of where you're from, 
But when I go back now and you, you walk through the French Quarter and you just hear, you, you see a kid beating on a, a, a bucket and it's just like mm-hmm. there's this rhythm and vibe that's down there that I didn't unfortunately appreciate. But she moved down there. And uh, from what I know, uh, I think there's going to be a pig face uh, reunion. Yes. Going I've, been to be seeing, I've been seeing rumblings of that. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's people, you know, I, I guess I put Peter Murphy in, in that. Nice. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I definitely, there are people that have been involved in this record that, you know, I will certainly work with Ashton again. In fact, we're already working on another song. Uh, cool. I'm certainly working on another song with Wayne Hussey. I mean, I would like to, you know, when I say evolve, I would like to have more people come into the fold. And, you know, I know at some point, if I if I continue this, it isn't going to be, it can't live or die on the who's who, you know, like, ah, see, who's, is he going to get Mick Jagger? You know, it's going to hopefully get to the point where just as an entity, it, it, it starts becoming about the songs and maybe, maybe it turns into me finding some unknown people that are just great at what they do. I mean, I but if you do know Mick Jagger, hold on a moment. Just one I, second here. Oh. <laughs> you call about him get the speed dial. Nick, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I, I mean, I know at some point it's got to get in, involved beyond the who's who of it. Uh, I mean, I didn't know Evie until, you know, Mark Thwaite introduced me to Wayne and Wayne introduced me to Evie. So there's that kind of, uh, you know, thread that kind of runs. So, mm-hmm. you know. There, I think there'll there'll be more people coming into this. Cool. And early on into our show, um, well, even before the show, I met Stephen Siebold of Hate Department and Standalone. And oh, um, <laughs> what's that? He he actually has a song right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I that was one when I started working at Schecter. Hate Department was one of the first. Uh, bands I stumbled on yeah. it was like hate department 16 volt mm-hmm. you know I really got into that uh industrial thing and I always thought <laughs> ball just had a a a cool quirkiness mm-hmm. about him and it, he he knew how to spit venom but yeah. with uh a style and uh I I think it's pretty good chance that he'll be on the next EP he has a track that he's working awesome. on yeah he, yeah. Uh, yeah, he and I met through a Craigslist transaction. He bought some gear off of me, and we kind of stayed connected through that. And then um, because of social networks, he was talking about Standalone, and then he mentioned Beauty and Chaos, and that's what turned us onto it in the first place, so speaking of oh. that web. So, oh, you know, cool. nonetheless, yeah, he's he's an interesting cat, and uh, I definitely appreciate what he shares and his insight into to music, and I'm just kind of saying publicly thank him i'm thanking him for uh turning us on to you in the first place so i didn't know that so i'm gonna have to send him a thank you tonight but yeah he's got you know this next record uh just to segue quickly into that uh is i'm i'm trying to go it's going to be an ep and i've told michael going if i try to do more than five songs to slap me uh, <laughs> so you're saying there's going to be 12 <laughs> I, I don't want to challenge people with another big listen and i think there's this weight that's off like hey we can get this out because i'd love to have something out before the end of the year uh because i mean in theory 
Beauty and Chaos right now is 14 songs, it, but two albums out of 14 and 25. <laughs> so I'm creatively itching to do something. And I think we've got a kind of a, a direction here uh, that I think is going to make a very cohesive EP. And uh, I'm hoping that Steven's part of that. Very cool. I've got one last question, but before I ask, gentlemen, do you have anything that you want to, to ask? I had a question kind of about what we were just talking about. Um, they say like in art, the hardest part of creating art is knowing when to stop. And you kept talking about the list of people. Like what, when did you decide like, okay, this is, this is what I want for this remix album. What was your stopping point? I think it was just a time thing. Like <laughs> we have to stop the first record. I only stopped when I, I decided to Google, I typed in, how many minutes of music can fit on a CD? Because I had actually <laughs> had forgotten, and it was like, well, you can, you can fit 80 minutes, uh, but 70, 74 is recommended. And then we went to the pressing plant. I had to have the conversation, and finally the guy pulled me aside and goes, you can do 79 minutes without having an issue. You're just going to have to sign a waiver. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we actually had to edit to, to make it fit at 79 in 20 something seconds, I think I actually, we edited uh, a little part of Unnatural Disaster. I think one, one chorus or something got pulled. That was the only way to make it actually fit. Wow. Uh, but on this record, it, you know, knowing uh, that it was going to be a single CD and then I went, you know, I'm not a big fan of digital releases. And I, I thank God every day that my label and Tim Perry, uh, who runs it, is a vinyl nut and he's adamant about doing vinyl uh so going okay if we're going to do the rest of these songs on uh you know digital there is no time constraints and you know thankfully everything that everybody did fit and no one sent something back that was you know not where i just went Ugh, you know mm -hmm. that they didn't put the time in. i mean they were all pros uh so yeah i, I don't think i i said stop on that one, whereas I had to on the other one. But I'm going into this EP, I'm already telling myself stop. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right on. Anyone else? But I sometimes have to tell myself stop on how many tracks, because I think Pro Tools and digital recording yeah. is sort of the great enabler, because you keep going, create two tracks, create two more stereo <laughs> tracks. It just keeps, it keeps getting to where we were bought. I mean, the poor hard drive in the, the computer was probably just, you know. <laughs> yeah. that, that record was meant to be layered. And I mean, there are, you know, lots of guitar tracks. I'm in my head, this new stuff, I'm, I'm, I want it to be a bit darker and a little more linear sounding. And so that's kind of the direction we're taking that. Cool. I'm cool. creating my Looking own limitations. I've got cassettes. I'm, recording on just just to kind of give myself some you know new barriers i've got a reel-to-reel -reel i'm trying to get back up and running and i just really want to play with some of the struggles intentionally now so there uh, are cassette only labels yes now like in europe that have kind of popped up and uh wow there are a lot of people that actually use and i'm, I'm kind of starting you know with my love of pedals kind of experimenting a little bit with putting like a four track cassette recorder and putting like guitar stuff on that, flipping the tape over. And so I'm having four tracks out of sometimes just like feedback loops and stuff like that and running that into 
one of the pedal boards mm -hmm. and kind of manipulating the sound that way. You know, I mean, there are bands like uh, Radiohead does like great sound manipulation. Sigur Ross does that real well. Yep. Uh, so I'm trying to look at some of that layers under stuff. And maybe with this being five songs, I can get to my original concept of having, having this, the tracks kind of strung together. You know, maybe when someone pops the CD, it just says one song. It's like, yeah, I'm <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. So here's my last question, unless, Foggy, you have anything? Sorry. Well, after you ask, we've already kept them over an hour. I will ask them if they want to play the challenge this week, but uh, we'll leave that up to them. Go ahead and ask your last question, and then awesome. we'll go. Okay. So I'm going to ask for listeners and musicians out there. <clears throat> You've independently released this major undertaking, you know, in a short amount of time. Aside from the recording and the production and that kind of thing, what advice would you have for aspiring musicians? I see a lot of social presence and I see a lot of great PR and marketing and things like that. So say somebody who's been touring for a while and playing a lot of shows and ready to kick it up to the next level, what kind of mindset or, you know, quick little tools do you suggest that they take to help themselves elevate? Of course, um, you know, you have your band and your team. So, you know, what other team members you said PR things like that I, I really want to kind of expand on that so that way they can understand that they're not alone in the journey I think the the PR part is yeah. you know being independent has, has been really important it, it did help this especially because with beauty and chaos we don't have that ability of going you know sending out a social media blast hey we're coming to your town come see us and, and buy our CD so it's for us, it's been a little different because it is, you know, the press uh, and it's also been doing the videos. So I, I would say find a good press person that is diligent and has relationships with uh, outlets, you know, and I think that's really important because then you, I mean, there is so much music coming out and go back to when I was a kid, it wasn't, yeah, I mean, I was like waiting for, you know, the next Alice Cooper record to come out. But now as you're waiting for the next Alice Cooper record to come out, there's 5,000 records that are out. It's just inundated. So finding a press person that has relationship, personal relationships and know that when they send something, it's good, uh, I, I think has been paramount for us. And I think, you know, doing quality videos you know we were lucky to meet Vicente with industrialism films and worked with him on every video and that has sort of been the face of what beauty and chaos actually is uh I think those two things have been really important and, and be be forthcoming be honest don't try to be something that you're not and uh you know if you do it for the right reasons and it's from the heart I mean either people are going to like it or they're not and and don't take don't take the criticism, you know, everybody, the internet has made everybody a journalist. It's made everybody a critic. Most people, you know, and I deal with it in the guitar business too. It's like people seem to, to live, to, to stir shit or, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, some, they, they don't prescribe to the, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. And even if they have something nice to say, it's cooler to say something not nice. And uh, yeah. so don't like that. I mean, let that grow off. Don't, you know, don't engage those people, you know, and it's hard. I think, um, I think what's really important for 
musicians today is to like know your fans and really, um, you know, like for instance, I, uh, one of my best friends is Kelly from a band called the Dolly Rods and they always do a GoFundMe to put out their next albums. And then for all of those things that they do for their fans, like they know they have fans that love cupcakes. So she'll spend, you know, on some of the GoFundMe's, it'll be, she'll be up baking 300 cupcakes to send out to her fans just so they know that they so appreciate what they're doing with the band and helping support the band. So it's really knowing your fans and supporting your fans and being there for them. It's really important. Excellent. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, like I said, we, we have kept you over an hour. Would you like to play? We, we made the challenge a little brief this week, so it's not too extensive. Would you guys like to play? Sure. All right. And there is a rule. Nobody that is on here can choose any song from Beauty and Chaos. <laughs> All right. So the challenge is basically really simple. What is your favorite cover or remix? And I know. Um, Tish, you're go up first. It. Go. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, I love Crimson and Clover by Joan Jett. I think it's like one of the best. I love that song so much. And she did an amazing job with it. So it's awesome. Thanks. She nailed that quickly. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite remixes ever. So being that my wife hit the buzzer first, it gave me a little time to think. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm going to go with The Passenger by Susie Nabanchis. I mean, I love Iggy's version. And I think they did a wonderful version and i think like the horn arrangement and, and stuff like that was just brilliant so i'm gonna go with the passenger by Susie. awesome metalhead cool. uh i went the remix route uh, instead and just a little background or in the early 90s paul and i you know we were kind of baby metalheads and yeah. kind of kind of started getting into the industrial sound quite a bit. And, you know, we found the uh, ministry and nine inch nails on all that kind of stuff. And KMFDM very quickly became uh, one of our favorites. And so KMFDM had a big history in the eighties and nineties. They would put out singles that had re- tons of remixes with them. And one of my favorites was uh, from their 94 album, Angst. The very first track on there, I think, is uh, it's a song called Light. And uh, they released an EP that was, it was nine tracks, and it was all, rem- they didn't even put the actual track on, on it, I think. It was just nine remixes of the same song. And... KMFDM really kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities of remixes and how different they could be. And, you know, all just the same song cut up and rearranged so many different ways, different tempos, different, totally different feels, moods from these nine remixes. And that, that light EP has always been one of my favorites that I go back to quite a bit. Yeah, good choice. They that was back in the day that it was a little more difficult to do remixes. You didn't have the benefits of Pro Tools, and I think it makes total digital recording makes moving things around and changing tempos a little bit easier. And uh, those guys did it well. I yeah. thought being metalhead, I thought you were going to go with like Green Man Alishi. <laughs> no, I do. I love Judas Priest, but that, yeah, no, I went remixes instead of covers. Covers is too hard. <laughs> Teabags. Well, 
shockingly, I went with Nine Inch Nails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But uh, and I went with uh, Closer, but the Precursor mix by Coyle and Danny Hyde. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. And it, the reason I really love that was, for me, in that time of my life, especially, like, Seven was out, and it was the opening title credits. Kyle Cooper designed the credits. He's my favorite, like, designer of, like, motion graphics. David Fincher directed the film. Um, and then, you know, having Nine Inch Nails be remixed and having that open up the whole album, it was like a perfect storm. So and it was very dark for, and for me too, like as a serious, you know, deep Nine Inch Nails fan, I always hated like just the people screaming, just the chorus at the concert, you know? <laughs> so it was nice to see it go even darker than the, the, the radio side. Did you like their, their version of Let's Get Physical? absolutely oh, yes it really was i love the uh, guitar work on that especially let's get physical is actually olivia newton john it's just it's too, no. No. It, no they just did physical they did it too physical yes yes great what track Grant would do let's get physical he get animal animal well he did let miley cyrus just do some of his songs so Anything's possible. <laughs> That's right. I, would put, I would put Trent on my list. I, I, that would be pretty cool yeah. to work. Oh, uh, yeah. We, mm. we would agree with you. <laughs> yes. Not that you needed it. Uh, JPP, <laughs> what do you got? This was a tough challenge, guys. It's worse than the favorite song or the song you hate we did a while back. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. So, you know, I could have easily went with the fixed EP from Nine Inch Nails because it was complete remixes and Skinny Puppy was involved. Again, pre-pro tools and it was just complete reinterpretations and manglings and all that fun stuff but a song that immediately popped in my head um just because it's been on my mind and wanting to listen to it lately it was a perfect circles judith the wren holder remix which i really liked because they took the strings made them darker a lot of real dark bass lines and some stuttery stuff going on it was really reinterpreted and maynard's voice did a nice job on top of it um, and I, I love the song Judith originally, but just to hear the extra, just it's almost like they went down six levels in hell with the song, and <laughs> you know for lack yeah. of a better way to describe it. But nonetheless, uh-huh. it, it's just still um, kind of like what we were talking about before. We, when you have a song and it does great, and then they stripped it down, and then they just added some embellishments that were not real busy, but they were intricate. I guess is the key thing, and um, those little pieces uh-huh. just really stuck out to me, and it always made a lasting mark. Sounds like I should have sent you some of the uh, let you pick a song off of Beauty and Chaos and let you have a go at it. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. I'm humbled, but I I, I don't know. <laughs> yes, do it. We want to see the challenge. Oh man, yeah, he did uh, just to. Embarrass- you pick a song, I'll send you the tracks. Okay, well, I'll see what happens. Yeah, just to Please. embarrass Paul a little bit, he did uh, when uh, Trent released a lot of the stems and had everybody let everybody do whatever they want with them. He did a couple of remixes of Nine Inch Nails. So, yeah, I did those for Tony for his birthday, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think that whole idea of the stems might have bit Trent in the ass. Now that his the uh, the loop is that Lil Nas song. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Old Town Road. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's yeah, lot, it it suddenly becomes real different when there's that much money coming from something. You might want to. You, I know. I I'm waiting to see. Your heart there. Yeah. I'm waiting to see how that all pans out because that was under the Creative Commons. It wasn't released for commercial, but you could use them. So I'm waiting to see if their camp goes after some of that money. Yeah, I think the I think there's that site where 
producers and engineers upload loops and i think mm -hmm. the guy bought that loop for like 30 bucks or something <laughs> crazy <laughs> awesome. yeah all right and the final one is my choice oh yeah and um yeah yeah i'm here too <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> you guys hear something I, th this is vaguely interesting to me because this singer is known basically for a cover which is so sad all of the the contest lyric shows Everybody sang Hallelujah after Jeff Buckley did it. Um, and it's so sad because he was such an amazing artist. I love, and that's not the cover that I'm choosing, even though that was brilliant. Um, Connor Murphy and Nothing But Thieves redid Lover, You Should Have Come Over. Um, Buckley's version is absolutely amazing. But Connor Murphy, that voice is staggering. And his version is so amazing. He just flat out nails it. Um, and... I never thought I could love Buckley's songs more sung by somebody else because he's such a talent, but uh, Murphy really nails it. It's perfect. Fun to hear it. Yeah. I have to give that a listen. Yeah. Cool. He's the group yeah. is nothing but thieves and he's Connor Murphy. The song is lover. You should have come over. I'll, I'll send that to you in, uh, oh, in cool. messenger. Yeah. What is, is that a Houston Texans logo on your hat? No, oh, that's Blue a, Jays. Toronto Just Blue Jays. Okay. <laughs> Just since, we're, since we're talking about cities, can I really quickly say, like, New Orleans is my favorite city. And I try to go there as often as I can. But um, when you're talking about that musician stuff, I went there the first time at the end of Mardi Gras, and it was the worst time to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't believe I went back. But um, after I got through the whole, you know, walking tours and seeing all the beads in the shop and Bourbon Street and all that, I started to go back and just take, like, a sketch pad and drink wine and you know, mm -hmm. walk around and, and kind of like dive into the art. But that city is full of art at every single turn. And it doesn't feel like you're in America. It's just a really unique, like artsy place, I think. Yeah. Well, have you, you've, uh, the common thread of the Florida Lee seems, if you look, it's, it's as much as I can put it all over the beauty and chaos stuff. But it's like, <laughs> oh, if you look I at Checker I saw it on drums on our headstock, so yeah. <laughs> I do fly, and it's on my arm, so I fly that flag as much as I can. <laughs> Absolutely, you should proudly because it's uh, a unique place. I love it. I I kind of want to move there, but I don't know if that would ruin it for me. So <laughs> no, it's 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 a tough place to you know uh, when when things are in excess, and that is a city of excess. Mm -hmm. are open twenty four hours, and you can get a drive through daiquiri. You know, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. you have to <laughs> take it in small doses. <laughs> well, you you say open twenty four hours, but it's the first city I've ever been to where someone just said there was a sign on the door that they went home to take a nap. <laughs> they just closed and <laughs> and went home to take a nap. So, uh, yeah, laid back, but I love it. Awesome, uh, guys. We cannot thank you enough for coming on the show tonight. You guys are special. We love mm -hmm. what you're doing. You're grounded. You're everything that is right about the industry, and um, we couldn't be more pleased to support you and and happier that you're on our show. Well, thank Absolutely, you. I really appreciate that. And uh, you know, it's not not lost on me. You know, uh, again, we meet good people, and you you three guys are in in that category with One, us. One, so. two, three, four. 
No, there's three. Uh, I'll take it on the chin. I, I can oh. be not the good oh, guy. That's okay. <laughs> you four guys. It's okay. It it's okay. You know what? <laughs> I always thought I, when I was getting emails, it was with three. I'm sorry. That's okay. Metalhead Monday kind of comes. He's our shemp uh, from the Three Stooges. You know, he kind of pops in every once in a while. That's the level yeah. of respect I get, too. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I do like Stabbing Westward. Ungod was one of my favorite records. Back yeah. Uh, oh, so good. Fantastic. Yep. Great. Well, thank you. We'd like to consider you guys friends of the show. It's, you know, we're honored and humbled to have you. And please stay in touch. Keep us up to date with what's happening. And if we can help in any way, we're, we're happy to do so. Yeah. Come back anytime. Thank Yay! you, guys. It was really nice meeting y'all. Would you nice like to, to drop you, some places to get your record before you get yes. off? You know, we're, we're doing this on our website, w, you know, beautyandchaosmusic.com. Uh, you know, the distribution and all that stuff is so different nowadays. You know, it's it's on CD Baby and Amazon and all that. But, you know, I I, I like the kind of interaction with people and then when they purchase this through our site, you know. So uh -huh. it would be wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, next week we will be back and we will be reviewing NF The Search. And somebody's going to have a challenge, but we don't know what that is because we were so wrapped up with this, we forgot to come up with one. So <laughs> you'll find out next week. We'll see everybody. Bye now. Bye. Thank Bye -bye. you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. All, all four of you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I redeemed myself. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, thank, thank you, you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.